Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as I think we are finally going to get to the end of this mailbag. We've got a few questions to run through. Uh, we've been going at this for a couple of weeks here. So I said from the start, if we didn't get to your question, we'll get to it eventually. So today might be the day for you guys, Frank. And I want to start with a jersey question. People, people love jerseys. I, I, I've always sort of said that I'm not someone that gets really fired up about uh, different jerseys or the new jerseys that come out each season. But this question comes from, and we had a few questions from this, from this listener, Drew Delgado at Drew Delgado says, if you could design our city jerseys for next year, what would you use to represent Milwaukee or the actual state of Wisconsin? Uh, He notes besides the hop and Rocky Rococo. So uh, those, those two, (laughs) those two things are out of the equation. Now I will say, I am throwing this at you with not much notice at all. So that's probably not, uh, not great hosting on my part. But, uh, you know, even if you, you, I guess, give us some thoughts on some of the jerseys that the Bucks have had this year, because like I said, people get pretty passionate about this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the I mean, kind of getting at the, the core of the question, um, you know, I am, and I've said this on this podcast, I'm a big fan of the, of the state logo, uh, alternate logo that they have. I have a, a hat with the state logo. Um, I, I just love, you know, kind of the nod to Wisconsin in general, which I think um, it's kind of fitting that, you know, since the ownership change, I know there's been a, there was a big emphasis put on trying to make the bucks more of a statewide brand and, you know, what better way to do that than put the whole state uh, on one of the logos. Um, so I've always kind of like thought, okay, is there some way that you could do a Jersey that involves the state logo? I, thing is I just don't know if I've tried to picture this in my head I'm not sure there's a really clean way of doing that and and part of this is also my general preference um you know I've talked about this going back probably years uh you know in the first fear of the deer jerseys the black jerseys with the the deer logos antlers on the on the front came out um I they eventually grew on me I think they were pretty well designed I I'm just not very big on like big logo type stuff on the front of jerseys so much. Um, so I, I generally like them kind of cleaner, just, you know, either team name or city name and number. And so I, I generally kind of like more kind of simple jerseys like that. So as much as I would love, I, you know, hey, I will challenge people. If, if you could think of a cool way to involve the state logo in a jersey, um, I would be thrilled because I love that logo. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure if my Jersey kind of preferences really, really go that way. Um, but I have to say generally, I mean, I've generally really liked bucks, I would say, uh, over the past few years. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of just the base, you know, home and away jerseys and, you know, I've liked most of the, most of the alternate jerseys they've come up with. Um, I think I like the, 
probably like the the last year's cream jerseys a bit better than this cream jerseys. Um, but they're all they're all fine. You know, I, I like them all fine enough. Um, I'm not I'm I'm too old to to buy <laughs> NBA tank top jerseys at this point. Um, but I I you know Giannis looks cool in them, which which you know it's probably not that hard to do. But uh, you know I think they look perfectly good. I, I think that. You know, the jerseys that maybe last year I liked the most were the ones they wore the fewest times, which were the uh, the ones they wore on Christmas in New York against the Knicks. Yeah. Um, the, you know, they were kind of, they kind of borrowed a bit from the Mecca um, design, the the yellow Mecca jerseys, but they were obviously kind of simpler. And, and I mean, they were, they were differently designed, um, but they were, you know, basically the uh, white and, and green. I think they had a little bit of red on there. Um so I like those. I like those. Um, but in general, I'm a big fan of, of having new jerseys every year. I think it's fun. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I, I'm surprised. And I'm kind of pivoting away from the original question. But I, I'm a little surprised sometimes. I see people, and, and I don't think this is that unpopular of an opinion. I think it's kind of an American sports thing because we're used to sort of like iconic jerseys, like never changing really. You know, you think of some of the yeah. iconic sports jerseys. And even in like in football, right? Like, I mean the Packers jerseys now look the same as they have for decades, pretty much like they literally just tweak minor things, I think. Um, and then they'll occasionally have like, you know, the color rush or the like throwback jerseys, things like that. I actually like having more variants in the NBA. I think it's fun. Um, you know, I'm, again, I'm a you know soccer fan and you know, every year teams are changing their, their jerseys in soccer. I think that's part of the fun of being a soccer fan is just, teams kind of constantly changing their jerseys and you know with different sponsors whatever i'm not saying i want you know more sponsors on nba jerseys but um so yeah i mean i would generally say i think the bucks in general have done a great job um around their jerseys and um you know again if you don't love them you know well they're gonna come out with new ones next year so <laughs> that's the upside of uh of of like all the alternate jerseys is you know they you know i think the fear of the deer ones the first ones they were around a couple of years at least um, so that's had a little bit more of a shelf life, but, um, you know, for the most part, uh, I think it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a fun thing. And again, it's a bit variance and I, I don't know. I mean, they've kind of used the entire color palette that they have in their, um, you know, kind of in their base coloring, except the blue, we have not seen a blue Bucks Jersey. So that's, I don't know. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sold on like the idea of a blue Jersey. I'm sure there's a way to make them look cool. Um, I mean, I like blue in general, but um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see what a blue jersey might look like, especially because that's sort of the only, you know, we've seen black, we've seen white, we've seen green, we've seen cream. Uh, at some point, I'm guessing we're going to see a blue jersey, but that, that's kind of the only other thing out there that I can think of. So I, I don't know. What, what's your take? Is there, is, can you think of a, uh, uh, a design aesthetic or motif that that you think would look cool or any thoughts on kind of the jerseys we've seen sports have come to a screeching halt with basketball benched and pitches off the bound but our friends at my bookie aren't going to let you down stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack roulette slots war and more it doesn't matter whether you're on the front lines or quarantined at home the fun doesn't have to come to an end with my bookie They've got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables, live on site, 24-7. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, 
They pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first casino deposit. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA to receive a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit and you can claim those extra funds all the way up to 750 bucks. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA. You spin, you win, you get paid. Well, on, on the blue, I, I think you're right. First of all, I think that there's going to be a jersey coming in, a, a blue one pretty soon. We've seen them uh, sort of bring the blue in, uh, blue in a little bit. There was some uh, on, on the sides of those uh, Fear the Deer jerseys. And, and also, obviously, the Cream City is probably uh, the most blue that they've had in there. But they've also gone with blue warm-ups for those Cream City jerseys as well. So I think they're testing the waters there. I think that eventually there's going to be a blue one. But the only thing that I can think of for a city jersey, if you're trying to represent the city of Milwaukee, something that they will never do, it should be beer-related. And the only thing I can come up with is having uh, some sort of imagery of Bakhtiari uh, crushing a beer on the front of the jersey for the, for the city edition. Uh, I think that they would sell very well as a bit of cross promotion between the Packers and the Bucks. And I think, uh, you know, when people think about Milwaukee, they think about Wisconsin, they think about beer, obviously never going to happen, but uh, back to Ari in New Jersey. Why not? You know, as someone who um, used to run a site called Brew Hoop, I, I probably can't, you know, say anything negative about <laughs> the idea of uh, Buck stuff that references drinking uh, beer. Um, I'll say this too. Uh, if people haven't seen these, I don't know if they're. I don't know if you can really find them currently being made anything with this, but um, at various points there have been some throwbacks made up from the 1977 All Star Game that was held in Milwaukee, and the logo is like a very stylized like 70s, um, like beer mug with with like a basketball like kind of like basketball related kind of beer mug logo, um, and it's really cool. So if you haven't seen it, just Google like 1977. NBA All-Star Game Milwaukee or something like that, and you'll see what those look like. I thought those were, were really cool looking. Again, I don't think you can slap that on a jersey, but <laughs> as far as like, you know, logos to put on t-shirts and things like that, um, it's pretty cool, like throwback type stuff, which hopefully hopefully that'll crop up again at some point. Hopefully we will, you know, not have to wait until uh, a potential 40-year anniversary to get an All-Star Game back in Milwaukee, but unfortunately our... Um, you know, the, the All-Star Games are spoken for for the next few years, unfortunately. And, and it seems to be a bunch of Midwestern cities, too, which is kind of all doubly annoying because I, I don't even think the Warriors have gotten an All-Star Game lineup, if I remember correctly. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if we exactly answered the question. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, I think for me, simple is generally what I like best. Um, you know, just give, me, just give me names, team names, city names, something like that. Um, you know, like a road, a road jersey with Milwaukee on it. I enjoy that. Um, I guess we haven't really seen anything, uh, any like, we haven't really seen any like kind of throwbackish. Um, well, I, I don't know. I like like cursive lettering. I like you know, like cursive lettering type stuff. Yeah, I think that 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 can look cool. Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll see kind of what what's in store. I mean, they they have to start these jerseys you know, like well in advance, right? The Cream City is the closest we've had. Like they've got sort of that stylized, it's, it's still a little blocky, um, but that's the closest we've come to kind of the kind of old schoolish type uh, kind of cursive, cursive lettering. 
And I think the other question is, I mean, we also haven't seen really like true like throwback jerseys um, for a while. And so I think that's always the other question people always, you know, throw out like, oh, are we going to see, you know, the, uh, the throwback, the, the 90, well, I think they first came in like 96 or 97, the uh, green deer jersey ones. You remember those from the yeah. mid to late 90s that they, they brought back as a throwback? At some point during Brandon Jennings' tenure, I remember he wore them. I'm actually not as big a fan of those as a lot of people. So I'll probably get uh, some grief for, for that comment, but <laughs> I don't know what, are you a fan of, the, of bringing back throwbacks as well? Cause I think those can be fun. I, I loved, I think maybe it was 2011. They had some like the 70, 71 throwbacks, which were just very clean. It just said bucks and big lettering. I thought those looked really nice. That was when Bogut and I remember Bogut and Jennings were, uh, were on that team and I thought those looked really nice, but um, I, I'm I'd also be good with some throwback choosers if nothing else. Yeah, I'm also not a huge fan of the one with the deer. I would be definitely down for them wearing a purple throwback on. You know, I mean, we, we spoke about the fact that they did Yeah, exactly. And and I know that the reason why they said they can't just have this jersey for, for one night or whatever it may be, it would be in the rotation. It would be something they would wear on multiple occasions. But uh, just the, the normal purple jersey I would be uh, down for. I remember the game that they did play at the Mecca against the Celtics a couple of years ago. They had a, a really clean... Uh, throwback jersey that they wore there the white one with just the 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 bucks across the front and then also another one that would be really cool to see would be the one they wore like i think it was like through the late 80s which was like predominantly green the the irish rainbow i thought those those ones looked really cool as well so you know i'm always down for throwback we see all these other teams and and uh memphis wearing the vancouver jerseys and and the raptors have had some pretty cool ones so yeah, I mean, I, I but I I also I don't mind the fact that they're, they're using so many different jerseys and, and swapping them through. I think it looks cool. I think it, it suits the, the basketball as, as much as any other sport. And now they're starting to bring in some of the courts as well. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I would like to, to see the Bucks move into some more throwback stuff. But uh, we, we have a question here from A.A. Ron Wolf. He asks, if you had to be quarantined with any Bucks squad in history... Which would it be? Bonus points for a pre-Lopez era team. Now, uh, this kind of reminds me of the question we had last week where you had one player that you could be with during an apocalypse. And and I said George Hill because I believe that his life skills, hunting, ability to get food would come in very valuable in a situation like this. But this is a little bit different. You're stuck in a house, let's say, with, with one Bucks team. And I, I think of a couple of things here. I think of my own personal entertainment value and I also think about uh, my health. And so I think about a, a team like the 2001 team with Ray Allen. And I don't know whether you follow Ray Allen on Instagram, Frank, but he's always working out. And, and he was a guy that always had this reputation of being in just unbelievable shape through his whole career. That's why he was so successful for so long. So I think being in quarantine with him you could follow his workout plan. He would keep you healthy. You would be in the best shape you've ever been in your life simply by following him. And the other team that I think about, this is, and this could go either way. This could get really bad really quickly. But I think about the, the podcast that we had with Andrew Bogut here, and he spoke about uh, some of the things that were going on in the locker room with Stephen Jackson, Brandon Jennings, this era. And I think, um, you know, being stuck with that group, I think that some of the stuff that would go on during that quarantine would be incredible stories that you would have for the rest of your life. You would hope that you just survive and get through 
and don't get caught up in some sort of in in house brawl. But for pure entertainment values, I, I think that team would 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 have been uh, let's just say interesting to be stuck in quarantine with. Yeah, I mean there aren't really that many teams I'd even think about just because <laughs> I mean first off I'm I'm only going to think about you know the teams of, of kind of my lifetime as a fan, right? Yeah. Um, so that's 92 to current. And let's be honest, I mean, most of those teams were pretty damn forgettable. So um, the 2001 team, um, I don't know. I mean, like, obviously, great team. Um, but, you know, it didn't necessarily seem like there was, uh, you know, between Big Dog Round, not necessarily like the most uh, uh, copacetic atmosphere, maybe, as kind of the years that followed kind of laid bare, especially with George Carl and Carl involved. Um, you did have Scott Williams, uh, who was always a lot of fun. Uh, Scott Williams actually bought, uh, so my dad sold a My dad was a house, a custom home builder, uh, for geez, how long was it? Uh, probably 25 years in, in Wisconsin. Um, and he built a house that Danny Manning bought. I forget what year that would have been. Whenever Danny Manning, like one or two years when Danny Manning was here. And then Scott Williams bought that house from Danny Manning. And so, um, my dad like randomly met him like once or twice and, and, he seemed like a very nice guy. I mean, he's Scott Williams. He's like, you know, like no surprise. Everybody probably remembers him when he was on TV. Just a really good guy and great locker room, great teammate guys we saw on that team. So you had Scotty Williams involved. Um, but uh, actually, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just the way that, that all that, that team ended, I feel like maybe that wouldn't be the most fun team to be around during quarantine. Um, so the other teams I thought of were, you know, excluding the current one, right? We'll, we'll say you can't have the current one because that would be the obvious one. Um, probably two jump to mind, the 0910 Fear of the Deer Bucks. So kind of the uh, the last train wrecky version of the one of your pick, I guess. So yeah. before before Steven Jackson yeah. got there, you still had, uh, you know, John Salmon's uh, successfully jab-stepping and shooting, you know, fading sideways mid-range jumpers that went in at a... At a crazy rate uh during that during that run you had um i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it was pre-injury bogus um at the height of his powers you had rookie brandon jennings you know uh unspoiled by uh the trappings of you know multiple years of being in the nba still wide-eyed and exciting and happy um kurt thomas great veteran presence you know somebody's somebody's like you know um you get some party fouls in the in the quarantine (laughs) house you know somebody's um, you know, leaving, not doing their dishes, something like that. Corn, you know, Kurt Thomas would muscle somebody, show up, just give like, he'd probably never say anything. He would just like get a really disapproving look, and everybody would kind of kind of stay in line. So, um, so yeah, that that team might be one, and then the other might be. Um, let's go to the second year, second year Giannis, uh, the the forty two and four, or the uh, you know team that that goes to the first round um, after the fifteen wins. Um, okay, downside, you know, you got to you got to deal with Jason Kidd. He'd probably like be like the worst person to play board games with because he'd probably take it way too seriously and you know try to pit people against each other and play psychological mind games. Um, but outside of that, you know, second year Giannis starting to really figure out like that he can be an impact player, but still super young, entertaining Giannis. You had Jared Dudley on that team, um, you know. Young Chris Middleton. I don't know if Chris Middleton's bringing a lot to a quarantine house, especially young Chris Middleton, because he's probably just super quiet, didn't want to talk. Um, but uh, you could say you hung out with young Chris Middleton at least. Um, <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think that would have been. I think that would have been a pretty um, 
pretty fun, pretty fun. And again, you know, considering they actually had a good fun year, successful year, um, that would have been, uh, you know, at least you wouldn't have like the negative vibes of most other Bucks teams. So yeah, maybe a couple of those, a couple of those options for, uh, to, to, to start. Oh, and you have, you have Zaza. I feel like Zaza would be amusing in a, in a quarantine situation. Zaza and Dudley I feel like would be, would be good kind of, uh, good banter between those guys and some of the young guys like Giannis. I think, I think you'd have a good dynamic. So I want to remind you guys about our friends at D1 Milwaukee, our very first local sponsor for Lockdown Bucks. D1 is the place for the athlete. You set the goal. We help you get there. All coaches are former D1 collegiate strength and conditioning coaches and athletes. They build science-based programs created specifically to improve athletic performance in a state-of-the-art facility. But given that times are a little bit uncertain right now, we want to move on to their summer camps that they have coming up for your kids. For 7 to 11-year-olds, they will focus on the fundamentals of athleticism. They will spend time each day developing running mechanics, working on balance and coordination, utilizing the fundamentals of movements. The coaches will create a fun, active environment for your young athlete to train in. And for 12 to 14-year-olds, they're going to give your athlete a competitive edge on their peers, focusing on linear speed and change of direction. Along with progressions in strength training, your athlete will develop extremely quickly with our coach's expert instruction. In order to play with the best, you need to train with the best. A reminder that D1 is located in the Mech 1 Pavilions right off I-43. If you want to get more information, you can hit them up at d1training.com. Keep those summer camps in mind. D1 is the place for the athlete. You set the goal. We help you get there. Yeah, put it this way. If, if I was in that house and, and, and I was playing a board game with Jason Kidd and it was my house and my carpet and he decided to intentionally spill wine on the carpet to delay the, oh. board, the board game process, it would uh, be over. It would be all over. That's it. That's it. Uh, Alan Parker asks, and he had, a bu- he had a bunch of questions here. He also asked about TV recommendations. We've already been through that. Uh, and he sort of he asked about how long do we declare the season over. We've sort of gone over that. We don't know what's going to happen. The, the word we're hearing from the NBA is still that they want to get this thing going no matter what. So we'll see. There's still plenty of time between uh, now and then. But one other thing that he did ask, uh, this is at Alan Parker too. He asked, uh, who's your favorite random box players of the past? And, uh, I, you know, like you sort of hinted, Hinted at there's a there's a bunch of random Bucks players. Let's be honest, and I always think back to like I said, 2000 onwards when I was watching the Bucks, as you said you, yourself a little bit longer. But one player that I really always liked through uh, the the rough years, let's be honest, Luke Baramute. Now he started a bunch of games, but it's just funny. I was looking at his stats earlier. He played 335 games with the Bucks and started 233 of them. You. Uh, he was uh, through this period. He was always the guy that that got the defensive matchup. So he would be defending Kobe uh, every time the Bucks would play the Lakers. He, he always got the the opposition's best player and did a pretty good job. I mean, he was a really talented defender offensively. He didn't bring much to the table outside of being a, a garbage man in Milwaukee. He wasn't shooting the three, uh, but he also he had some big games on the glass and had some really influ- influential performances where he'd have 10, 15 rebounds always hit the offensive glass hard. He actually averaged 5.3 rebounds per game as a Milwaukee Buck. Uh, 2.1 of those were on the offensive glass. So he, he was always uh, the guy that was giving the Bucks second opportunities. I thought he worked hard. Funnily enough, uh, injuries really played a big 
factor in his time in Milwaukee, particularly towards the end. And he looked like a guy that maybe was going to fade out out of the league. Uh, he ended up sort of having a renaissance with the Clippers and also uh, the Houston Rockets where he was shooting the threes. He was particularly from the corner and he became a, a semi-respectable shooter from out there. He shot 39% in 2016-17 with the Clippers and then 36% in the 2017-18 Rockets in a team where he became a, a really important player when uh, probably most people assume that he wouldn't even be in the league by that point with the injuries that, that he went through. But I, I don't know. I mean, he's the kind of a random player that I always... I always had a soft spot, a soft spot for. I always sort of enjoyed watching him play, and uh, sort of always wished the best for him, even when he when he left Milwaukee. Yeah, it, it's funny. I I mean, I enjoyed watching him on that Rockets team because my wife, who's a Rockets yeah. fan, you know, was watching all those games, and so it's fun to see him really kind of carving out a niche. And, um, and that was a couple of years ago, but obviously the Rockets have you know been heavily reliant on. You know, I mean, he, he was kind of the, you know, the proto PJ Tucker in some ways, Yeah. Um, you know, a guy who could defend multiple positions, defend bigger guys, and then pretty much just would like park in the corner and, and shoot corn threes. Now he didn't shoot them obviously as prolifically as, as PJ has. Um, but uh, it was fun seeing him have that rest renaissance. And, you know, sadly, um, you know, I think it was a shoulder injury. I think he suffered that season and he came back in the playoffs and basically couldn't make a layup. Um, and he was just a kind of shell of himself. And, um, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of, it's cool. he kind of faded away after that, unfortunately, which was obviously a shame given, um, you know, I think he was a guy that, that people always, you know, generally, I don't think people really had bad things to say about him. And, yeah. you know, it was kind of sad. I think when he, he remember he signed that offer sheet when he was a free agent, came, you know, Bucks matched. And um, it just didn't seem like he was very happy to be in Milwaukee, sort of at the tail end of his time here. But, um, that's definitely a good one. I think uh, going like way back. Um, well, let me let me first say this. So my favorite Bucks period. So not role players. My favorite Bucks period. Um, basically, went like this. It was I don't know if I had them my first year, ninety two, ninety three. That was the Todd Day draft year. Not much to like there, but next year they drafted Vin Baker. So Vin Baker was kind of my new favorite player. And then uh, Glenn Robinson comes. Glenn becomes my guy. Um, always stuck with big dog, even over Ray Allen, which I've <laughs> talked about this before, but uh, I don't know why I just, I, even though Ray Allen, you know, certainly in hindsight was a better player. I was always a big, little big dog loyalist. It was like the, the promised savior of the team. And even though that never happened, I kind of retained loyalty to him for whatever reason. Um, and then I guess kind of Desmond Mason, maybe in sort of the interim period there before yeah. Bogut got there. And then Bogut was always my guy. Uh, and then uh, kind of transitioned, um, you know, pretty pretty much, you know, the those couple of years where after Bogut was gone, and then um, you know Giannis showed up, and even in that rookie year, I think everybody was just so excited about Giannis because there really was nothing else to be excited about. So um, yeah, I think we all got on the Giannis train as far as like you know favorite player pretty pretty quickly. But uh, as far as role players go, my first role player I can remember um, was Marty Conlon who uh, fans of the early 90s Bucks will okay. probably might remember. Marty uh, went to Providence, um, had a very awkward uh, mechanical jump shot, uh, which was pretty effective, if I recall correctly, the drain jumper. Um, but it was like basically like a, you know, it was fun to just, I mean, he's kind of an awkward, you know, fairly immobile uh, white power forward guy who, you know, never would kind of be able to play in today's league because he can't move. Um, but he was a guy who came off the bench for, for was it two, three years maybe, 
Uh, I got his autograph at Summerfest once. That was, you know, magical, obviously. Um, and, uh, but he was kind of a funny, funny, you know, lovable role player there uh, for a while. Um, a couple other guys that jumped to mind, Darvin Ham. I mean, Darvin Ham, yeah. when he, uh, when, you know, he had that spell with the Bucks. I mean, it's so cool that he's back. I mean, Ben Baker, who I mentioned, oh, Ben Baker also back as an assistant. So seeing Ben come back, especially given kind of the journey that, that he was on and kind of, you know, the things that he struggled with has been fun. But Darvin Ham emerging as the lead assistant and coming back to Milwaukee is a lot of fun. And, you know, he was a guy who, you know, really fun dunker, kind of like, you know, was, was kind of a, a, you know, victory cigar guy, but then actually did play real minutes um, for a couple of years, if I remember correctly, too, around, you know, around 2000, around that era. Uh, and I think the, the funniest thing to me, which I didn't know until probably a couple of years ago, was that the uh, hammer play, which, um, you know, fa- people who follow like X's and O's at all, you may be familiar with this play. Um, basically, it's like a, a screen that's run to free up a player in the, um, in the weak side corner for a three and basically a guy comes sort of along the baseline with the ball and, and kind of kicks it over um, to the far corner um, to, to set up an open corner three that was developed by George Carl and they initially used it with Darvin ham. And so it's called the hammer because of Darvin ham, which I was like, Oh my God, I, I didn't never realize that. So Greg Popovich, I think is probably the most famous user of the hammer. Um, but uh, yeah, apparently George Carl and Darvin ham. Uh, were kind of the, the guys who came up with it. So those are uh, a couple of the guys. Um, I think otherwise, guys, like role play, real role player types um, who I've really enjoyed. Um, you know, I think Jared Dudley. I mean, again, now I'm thinking like a lot of like just like the personality type guys. I mean, Jared Dudley, um, a guy I always really enjoyed. I mean, you know, he was kind of a fun guy to, to see making the media rounds. Uh, and even after he left, you know, just generally has always had good things to say about his time in Milwaukee and, you know, seeing Giannis, um, you know, it's his development up close. So Dudley was a lot of fun. And then um, uh, Jason Terry. I mean, Jason Terry was fun, you know, uh, in a couple of years he was here. Uh, just his kind of personality, again, the fact that he was buds with Jason Kidd maybe took a little bit of the shine off it. But, but uh, you know, his energy and the the jet, you know, celebrations and the way he would, you know, get the crowd going. Um, that was uh, that was just a lot of fun. I'll I'll never forget him uh, goading fans in Sacramento because you know the the story of him. He got traded to Sacramento as part of some contract or some some deal. He was like a contract throw and refused to report. They wave him, and then ever since then he he was he was booed whenever he went to Sacramento. And uh, a couple of years ago, or maybe it was maybe it was two years ago. I think uh, you know whatever the last his last year in Milwaukee, I think was. Um, he like made some shots in Sacramento and, and was just like giving it to the crowd, uh, you know, as the Bucks were kind of like, I think beating them down pretty badly. So uh, shout out to Jet. I don't know. Anybody else you can think of? Yeah. The only other guy that I thought of, and, and you already mentioned him earlier in the podcast. I really, in that 08, 09 season, uh, I loved Kurt Thomas because uh, when you think about that situation and what happened, um, with with Bogut going down, Kurt Thomas was a guy that was he was regularly playing, but uh, he he wasn't playing huge minutes. He was averaging uh, fifteen minutes a game coming off the bench, being that solid vet, and that's exactly what he was at that point in his career. He's thirty seven years old, but he was just solid. And then when Bogut went down, uh, he's all of a sudden thrust into a starting role uh, in a position he hadn't really been in in a few years, and he was playing nearly thirty minutes 
a night. And uh, particularly in that, that game uh, three, uh, where the Bucks won really, really easily uh, at the Bradley Center. He was huge. Yeah, he almost had a double-double, eight points, 13 rebounds. But uh, I think he was he was a guy that the, the guys loved having in the locker room. Uh, I know Bogut certainly talks very highly about him, but I just remember loving him as, as that solid vet and the guy that stepped in when the Bucks, you know, lost their key guy heading into the playoffs. And they had a bunch of guys step up. We know Salmons and, and obviously Brandon Jennings. But the, the role that he played, uh, through that, that playoff series was fun. And he was out of the league and retired uh, just uh, one season after that. So to play such a you know, needed role in, in that series for the Bucs, even though they, they didn't get through. Uh, 2010, that was, sorry. Um, that's, uh, that, was, that was something that was memorable for me. I always, always sort of appreciated him and the role he played with that team. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, uh, Bogut mentioned on the podcast that them not bringing Kurt Thomas back was... Yeah probably a big part of the locker room kind of fraying um, in the, the following season. And, um, you know, I, I thought of that when the Bucks opted to let Dudley and, and Zaza yeah, go yeah. after the, the kind of breakthrough first season under Jason Kidd. Um, and, and, you know, again, I know part of that was sort of making the, getting those guys to landing spots um, and having younger guys that you wanted to kind of push up the ranks a little bit. Um, so it kind of is what it is, but certainly, um, you know, I, I think the Bucks, let's just say inability to, you know, kind of grow and, and uh, build on that, that uh, I guess it was the fifth, uh, what was the, was the 14, 15 season, I guess it was, um, yeah. you know, the fact that they didn't build on that the following year, I think, you know, probably not surprising, not as surprising given uh, that they lost kind of those two bats. I think Zaza, another guy who, um, you know, I think was certainly, I think it's kind of sad. Cause it's like, you know, the, especially like the stuff with Kawhi and, and, you know, going under Kawhi on that jump shot when he was in Golden State, I think kind of soured a lot of people on sort of the perception of Zaza, but I don't know. I mean, again, I mean, for what he was in Milwaukee, the kind of guy he was, um, you know, he, I just remember, I think Zaza and Giannis, sat together at the first at Giannis's first media day I want to say um and uh you know they they clearly I think had a pretty good relationship being a couple of European guys um you know he just seemed like a guy that that everybody liked and um obviously just played with a really high IQ and um you know uh not surprised that that he lasted as long as he did in the league right I mean he outlasted I think he was from the 2004 draft and I mean <laughs> Not a lot of guys outlasted him from that 2004 draft. Yeah, I mean, th- I think the big thing with Zaza, he just, every single thing he did, he was so rough around the edges that uh, he was prone to some some clumsy incidents, which, uh, you know, can be uh, determined to be to be dirty plays, uh, I guess. But he was certainly a competitor. And he was also old school, as you said. He was, he was drafted in 2004. Um, clearly, uh, back then, even in the middle of the 2000s, there was a different mindset i would say among players and when you're coming in as a rookie obviously the the situation is different but sure you keep listening to the podcast if anyone missed it i did catch up with brian anderson a couple of days ago that was a a fun chat obviously a voice that everyone knows well from uh the play-by-play with the brewers and also nba games and tnt march madness pretty much every major sport uh brian's been uh, a voice of over the years so go back and catch that one also on the Locked On Podcast Network. Don't forget to catch up with the other podcasts that are still rolling out. Uh, Chad Ford's NBA 
Big Board, the new podcast on the network. They've got Chad Ford on board. And uh, as we've sort of spoke about the, the draft, is it's interesting. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know uh, what the implications will be for the Bucks uh, for this season, for next season, moving forward. But uh, the prospects are ready to roll. The names are starting to declare for the draft. So make sure you check out that one. But for now, Frank, uh, we will wrap it up here. And uh, we'll catch all you guys next week. <laughs>